During afternoon tea, there's a shift in the air, a bone-trembling chill that tells you she's there. There are those who believe the whole town is cursed, but the house in the marsh is by far the worst. What she wants is unknown, but she always comes back. The spectre of darkness. The woman in black. What's going on, everyone? I'm Heath. And I'm Jay. And you're listening to Host of Horrors, a show where we discuss and review horror films based off predetermined themes of the month. Jay! <laughs> oh, God. I, let me tell you, this film gave me so much anxiety, <laughs> and I feel like I don't want to have any kids anytime soon for this exact reason. Ah. Uh. So, um... What was the film that we watched? Well, because... first off, we're we're kicking off our Haunted House Month. Oh, yeah. So Haunted House Month. Every, ep- <laughs> every episode this week is going to be a different film based around the Haunted House subgenre of horror. And this is a movie that I haven't seen in forever. It is based off a Suzanne Hill novel. It was written by Jane Goldman, directed by James Watkin, and starring Daniel's uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel's Radcliffe. Daniel's Ratcliffe's. <laughs> what is a Daniel Rattail at this point? Daniel's Rattail. <laughs> All right. So the film we watched is The Woman in Black. Released in 2012. 2012? And totally did not confuse us with an M. Night Shyamalan film. Yeah, he did. Halfway through, he went, wait, is this it? No, wait. No, it's not. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so, like, I didn't really hear much about this film, like, when it came out. Because this was, like, around a time where I think Harry Potter was about to end, if not, had already ended. Yeah, I'm almost positive this was like one of the first things uh, Daniel did after Harry Potter. That's kind of why I watched it, because I was like, oh, Daniel Radcliffe and it's a horror movie? Bet. It's like, what a way to shed yourself of the child star image so quickly. Right? So, yeah, I did not know that this film came out. And this was released in 2012. So it was back when me and he were like 18, which shows how old we are now. But <clears throat> it, I don't rem- really remember much of this film like being promoted or anything back, you know, it was like senior year in high school, or whatever. Well, probably senior year for me. And yeah, my senior year was 2013. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Senior yeah, year yeah. For it was me. senior year for me. Yeah, well, whenever it got released, whatever. Yeah, if it was early 2012, then junior year. My, then, yeah, it was my senior year. If it was late 2012, senior year. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, basically, I don't remember as much of this film, so I've never really seen it. So, I know you've seen it before, right? Yeah, I watched it when it came out. Um, well, not when it came out. I watched it when it was on either Showtime Stars or HBO, whatever I had at the time. And like I said, I saw it, I saw that it was a horror movie, and I saw that Daniel Radcliffe was in it. So I said to myself, yeah, I'm going to check this out. And I remember as a kid loving it. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. I own it, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> um, this would be my first time watching it in a really long time. And honestly, I'm not disappointed. It, it. It holds up. I, I think some of the effects are a, a little dated. There's a couple of CGI moments that didn't really hold up very well. But other than that, the practical effects are really good. The acting's pretty good. And, and it's got a solid little story there. So another thing that I just realized that I know Heath exposed me to, this is also a Hammer film. Yes, it is a uh, Hammer horror film, yes. Can you explain to the audience what Hammer is? I think you already have, but like, give us a little rundown. So Hammer is a British uh, production company. British? British. <laughs> <laughs> production company. 
and their their tour de force, their their whole fame comes from basically doing the universal uh, monster movies, but British. Like Christopher Lee was Dracula in their films. Um, oh, what is his name? Is it Peter Cushing? I I, I don't know. But they did ha- they did a uh, 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 werewolf, um, uh, Frankenstein, Dracula, a bunch of Dracula films. So um, did they call him the Wolf Man, or was it like werewolf? I think it was just werewolf. Okay. I have one of the films. Uh, I have like a whole uh, Hammer Horror collection. Uh, they did Phantom of Opera, stuff like that. But their their whole gimmick is bright red, um, bombastic set pieces, bright red blood. Um, have you ever seen uh, Sleepy Hollow? Uh, the Johnny Depp film? Uh, I think I have. Well, if you, if you remember that film, basically Tim Burton play, uh, paid a whole homage to uh, Hammer Horror. Like huh. the the over the top gore, the bombastic yeah. uh, set pieces, the very bright colored red blood. It, it's all Hammer. I don't know why it remind that reminded me of like Sin, a mixture of like Sin City and like Sweeney Todd. I don't know why it's just it, Sweeney Todd just gave Sweeney me that Todd same. even kind of rem- reminds me a little bit of uh, Hammer Horror huh. in a sense. I'll have to show you. I have um. One of my favorite was um, the Frankenstein, Evil of Frankenstein, something like that. Evil what, of Frankenstein. Yeah, there's a couple of Frankenstein movies, but it doesn't focus on the monster. It actually focuses on uh, Doctor, Vic- yeah, Victor Frankenstein, oh, okay. where he is portrayed more as the monster than anything else. I mean, if you want to be real, I mean, yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, like this film. I didn't know it was a Hammer film, and like hearing what Raheef has said about Hammer films, I can kind of see where they're going for it, but it also feels different in a way. I think what I mean by different, it means it feels way more subdued in a way, but also like it amps up to 10 whenever it needs to. It This movie has a lot of tension to it. I will give <sighs> that. It's got a good premise and um, atmosphere. Um, but that is all done, but it, that is all for naught until you get to the house when Daniel Radcliffe's character, um, Arthur, when, once he gets to the house, that is when the tension and the atmosphere really has time to shine. God. And it just, it go it goes from there. Like it just, as soon as he walks into that home, it, you never not feel uneased. I, so this way that this film starts made me so angry, but it also made me appreciate everything about the film, like, watching it later on, because, like, the film starts out with essentially, like, child murder. <laughs> this movie has a lot of child murder on it. There's a lot of child murder indeed. Um, But no, I, I really do agree with you. The opening shot is gorgeous, and... I'm always a champion for opening shots in films kind of tell you the story or, or kind of tell you what you're getting into. And this movie or this opening scene for this movie is so well done. It first of all, the whole movie, except for certain points, is very dull, very gray, very you know neutral colors. The opening scene is very bright. If you remember, mm-hmm. it's a lot of white, a lot of uh, the sun shining through the window. It, it's very, the, even the room itself, the paint in it is very bright colors. And the little girls, there's three of them who are having a tea party with their dolls. And they end up looking straight at the audience, like right at the camera. Man, let me tell you, that was so creepy. And then like all of a sudden they get up start walking crushing everything in their way like like nothing was there in front of them they slowly walk up there's three windows in front right they walk up to those windows and then they jump and you hear their mother scream and that that's your that's your opening and i'm just like they are just uh, i was so unsure of like how 
this film was going to start and then like it gave us that and you're just like how dare you <laughs> like like why did you do this to me and it's it really does set the tone for the rest of the film because i'm sitting here being a whole ball of anxiety just like oh god how many kids are gonna die <laughs> in this film because we already the kill count is already at three and it wrote in the opening credits hadn't even started yet y'all yeah three and then at shortly after that we're introduced to our main character arthur kipps arthur kipps played arthur. by arthur Arthur Kipps <laughs> played by Daniel Radcliffe. Wait, you mean Daniel's rat tail? Daniel's Daniel's rats tells. <laughs> Mr. Uh, baby Blues himself. Oh, baby blue eyes, baby blue eyes, baby. <laughs> We're introduced to Arthur and you can already tell that this is a broken down man. He he's, you know, this is later revealed in in or this is revealed later on in the movie, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it now because you can kind of tell everything from this opening part. Mm. Um, his wife died during childbirth, and when you first meet him, he basically is staring into the mirror where he can see his wife behind him. He turns around, and of course, she's gone. Um, so he ends up getting ready for his day. He heads downstairs to where his little boy is. His little boy is just trying to show him a picture that he did. And he is so disinterested. And just basically not acknowledging his child. Not even you know recognizing his existence. And I honestly feel like it's because he blames his kid for his wife's death. First of all, baby, that nanny is raising that kid raising yeah. that kid and i really feel like I, I i feel like he can't really blame the kid i feel like but I, I feel like i think it's with most parents who have like traumas like that i feel like there could be some sort of blame but they can't i I, don't know, I just feel like they can't really blame the kid they shouldn't blame the kid yeah i was about to say that logically logically their problem or logically their fault of course like okay like the mother died during childbirth this is also the early 1900s i feel like that shit happened all the time oh as insensitive as that sounds but (laughs) but i don't know like i get where he's coming from logically no he shouldn't blame the kid and but you never know until you're in that position how to feel or like how someone would feel because he loved her with all his heart and you can see the moment he has the child in his hands that he you know just like any other father would absolutely loves that kid from the moment he you know touched it but then he gets the news that the wife is dead and all that love kind of just gets shattered and the only thing probably going through his head is she would still be here if it wasn't for you I don't I I don't want to think that. I really don't because I feel like it's so unfair. It's so unfair for someone to think like that. Even if it's, you know, irrational or whatnot. I just really feel like you shouldn't have to be like, Oh, yeah, I'm glad that you're here, but like I could have been out living a whole different life if I didn't have you and that's the part that kinda of fucks me up as, you know, <laughs> as like a, a child like a former child or well, former child but like we're all former childs we're all former children but you just, growing up to have basically you know parent i'm not saying this for myself i'm not saying this for anybody i'm just saying as a hypothetical if honestly i feel like if the events of this movie did not really happen who knows how what kind of relationship that this family would have had not a good one if at all it i feel like it would have been non-existent and that's the part that gets me there's a lot of themes of like you know hey cherish your kids like if you love your kids as you say you do please cherish them like love them so much that even in death that they're still loved because things get revealed later on which 
all of a sudden kind of makes sense why all of this is happening and it kind of it, it's kind of heartbreaking when you think about it and I, i'm sorry y'all i there's just so much about this film that i i just think about and it's just like it breaks my heart it really does break my heart because yeah. i oh man you go ahead because i'm choking up right now yeah um <laughs> So strained family relation, and on top of that, their home is being foreclosed. They're broke. So uh, Arthur goes to his job, which he's basically some type of lawyer is the best I can figure. And the uh, the his boss is giving him one final chance to get a job that they're not being able to get done. Thanks to an unhealthy or uh, an unhelpful person at the the village, so basically he's telling he's telling Arthur that he has to go and deal with a little bit of paperwork, foreclose the house, sell it, and get the job over with, and that there is a man by the name of I think it was Jerome, Mister Jerome, Mister Jerome that is not helping whatsoever. And that it's his final opportunity, meaning he's already messed up before, that it is his final chance to uh, do a good job and not lose his job. So already the stakes are pretty high. You know, you're losing your home, so you can't lose a job. And you have to get this done, which he's about to find out is not as easy as he probably thought it was going to be. So, yeah, this... Mr. Kipps is very just broken and I feel like that contributes to his basically thousand yard stare every time he's around his son or just been around this whole time and when he gets to the train I really like the shot when he gets on the train that was a very good one and it kind of also does that little gives a little bit of tension because all of a sudden he's like you see Honestly, one of my favorite characters in this uh, in this film, Sam. Sam Daly. Sam Daly. So, right now, one of my favorite characters you'll see later. <laughs> but he comes, he appears, and basically just kind of strikes conversation. A very nice person, like, does all this stuff for him, and including taking him to was it the little inn? Was it an inn? He, yeah, he takes him to the inn. Uh, once the train stops, he drives him to the inn where he's supposed to uh, stay for the night. Was it for the, wait, was it for the weekend or just for that night? He was supposed to stay until... Well, honestly, I don't know how long he was supposed to stay. Because his kid and the nanny were supposed to come Friday. So he was probably supposed to stay for a really long time. But anyway, that innkeeper was having none of it. Apparently, like... I feel like the ads on him being broke... Because, like, ain't no way if you're supposed to have, like, arrangements set that he's going to be, that, you know, he's be like, oh, ain't no, wh- where's the arrangement? I was like, is this innkeeper, like, just hate this man or? No, that, that innkeeper wanted him gone because the bank was supposed to set up the arrangements. That innkeeper did not want him going anywhere near that house. Oh, my God. So he was like, yeah, no, we have no rooms. So, but it's like pouring down rain, and the wife comes in and says, "Well, we can't just you know leave him out there." And the dude's like, "I don't care, he's not staying." So finally, the wife is like, "Well, he can stay it up in the attic," and he's like, "I mean, if you're okay with that, I guess." And she's like, "Yeah, I'll be fine with that." Takes him up to the attic. Come to find out, the attic is where we started our movie at. So the three little girls who jumped out the window were the innkeeper's wife's uh, kids. Well, the innkeeper and her kids. The couple's kids, and already you're just like, oh, this is where we're going. Because I I didn't think I saw it immediately, but I saw it immediately. I was like, oh, this is awkward, (laughs) y'all. And I just... At that point, I was like, okay, this is going to be a very depressing movie. Let me get my tissues, and hopefully I don't have to, like, upchuck any food. Because I just knew 
that we're going to be in for a wild ride the minute that that scene popped up. And I'm trying to remember. I think that was the point where I think we saw some insert shots of him looking at the compass. And yeah, well, I mean, that was more at the train, but yeah, his wife's picture is in his uh, little clock. Oh yeah, you're right. Watch. Yeah, and I feel like that. I feel like it wasn't seen because I don't think it's ever been seen the rest of the film. Mm-mm. I think he tried to find it, and I don't think he was able to ever to find it. So that has to mean something there too. But I'm not sure. Plot hole. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> Man, I don't know. This movie. Well, no, he had it. You see the chain. The entire movie. Oh, the chain of that was the what that was? I thought that was just for aesthetic. Pocket watch. Oh my god. God damn Look it. Look at me. Look <laughs> at me not knowing nineteen hundreds fashion, y'all. <laughs> Silly me. <Anyway>. Anywho. <laughs> so he ends up meeting Jerome and Mr. Jerome in person. And he basically Jerome just like gives him some paperwork, says here. Everything's right here. I told him I would send this to London, but you're here anyway. So here, take this. Go back to London. Your job's done. And Mr. Arthur is like, well, no. They're, they're, I've heard there are so many things at the house I need to take care of. No, 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 no. Everything's in this package. You're good to go. Get the hell out of the village. So that's two people in a row that are like, you need to leave, good sir. And it makes you wonder, like, why are they... Re- like does does word get around town about things that need to be done because the I feel like the only way that you would have been able to like have all these people these towns folks be against you well and they don't even know you is that somebody had to be spreading a word about uh what was happening going on over here I guess maybe because he's a lawyer or something and maybe Jerome is a little blabbermouth I don't know but like well I feel like they've tried this already with a different person besides Arthur um because the the boss was already like yeah we've been in contact with a Mr. Jerome who is not being very helpful so I feel like he's not the first person to come and try to sell the house which means that means they've been trying to probably been trying at this for a while and failing too so that's another thing that is concerning as well so also if you look like the whole way that everything was shot in that sequence like all of the whenever he's walking whenever he's like going down the uh, with that little carriage seeing all those kids like just looking at him all creepy and then everybody is like every time he walks around everybody's all like now go inside like as if he's the freaking plague himself like that got me because i was like y'all don't even know what this person's here for and y'all telling him oh go inside stranger danger i'm just like what i mean i get it but it's also like what you know they 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 know they know what's happening he don't like we love cosmic irony in this house (laughs) so I didn't even know what was going on. I was like, oh, this is wild. But, yeah. So, Mr. Jerome has a uh, carriage waiting for Arthur to take him back to the train station so he can go to London. Um, But Arthur says, fuck that shit. And basically bribes the carriage guy to take him to the old rundown house. And when I tell you, that was... It had to be like... I wonder how long that trek is it's a pretty long trek so basically it's this long winding uh winding road that leads to a marsh uh, yeah well it leads to an island the the road's on a marsh um that every now and then tide will come in and basically wash the road away so you're isolated once that once that happens um and he's only there for like he doesn't get anything done He's only there for a few minutes, and he just he sees the woman in black constantly standing behind his shoulder, hears weird noises up top, uh, a couple of rooms are locked that he can't figure out why the key's not working, sees her outside, tries to run to her outside, can't find her outside, but he hears noises coming from the marsh. Oh, yeah, and then he runs out to the marsh. I was like, no, no, please don't run. Oh, he ran out there. <laughs> All of the screams that were heard, and then it flashes between memories of the accident that happened that the screams are coming from, and him just like frantically trying to figure out where this is coming from. And then all of a sudden, bam, jump scared into the carriage guy. 
The carriage guy's like, all right, I'm here. Let's go. Tide's coming in. And that's how you know, like, you started cooking with gas. Because I really feel like that's when things started to amp in the high gear. And after that, was it that, um, did, uh, was it, was it, I forgot, was there a part where Sam gets, like, he gets invited to Sam's place? That It was the later that uh, day, that's, or? That's later after that, like, after the carriage takes him back. Something happens. I think, like, he has a drink with the innkeeper's wife or something like that. Um, but shortly after that, yeah, he he and Sam reconnect. And um, they somehow they're at his son's uh, gravesite. Oh, you're right. Okay. So I remember about the innkeeper's part because I think he, w- for some reason, he ends up going back and... Try, I think going trying to go back up to that room and only to see that the bird's there. The little parakeet, so cute. And I know with the bird being there, you know the bird. I think usually repeats what they said. So I thought there was gonna be some shit talking personally, but I'm glad there wasn't. So, but one thing that stuck out to me is what the innkeeper's wife said: "Is like, please go home to your kid, cherish them." And I'm like, that has to be a good bit of baggage from what she said mm-hmm. i felt just the pain that she felt just saying that i'm like that obviously that means that there's been a lot of things been going on there's been obviously been way more than just like three kids that died and find out like basically dozens of kids have died including uh sam's sam's kid mm-hmm. he, he got uh he drowned Basically, like, the, the woman in black made him walk out into the ocean, and he drowned with, uh, I think it was a friend of his that they were playing, that he was playing with. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the tide caught him off guard. Yeah. So, Sam invites him to dinner, but begs him not to bring up children in front of his wife. Um, As you can tell, she basically went crazy, because, okay. Well, so, she brought it up, to be fair. He didn't. She brought it up. She but, did. Yeah. Um and if you look at the set design of this house in particular, it, the trauma is everywhere. Like there there's pictures of the kid everywhere, paintings of him everywhere. Um and the way that this shot was composed, oh god. That was that was Oscar worthy because I really really enjoyed it. I really liked the way that the wide was done with all everything is about the kid. Everything was about. I think Nicholas. Nicholas. That was his everything name, yeah. was a revolving around Nicholas. And whenever she brought the twins, I was like, "Oh, y'all have more kids. Oh, <laughs> they're dogs. Cute little dogs. Yeah, little doggos. So they were cute. The wife had like twin dogs that who he was. She was feeding them right and she rocking them, them to sleep. Oh my later. god! I just that. I felt for her so much. Postpartum depression is a bitch. Like, but um, something else, man. After bringing up the kid, after bringing up Nicholas, she uh has a little episode where she starts carving into the table, and of course, uh, Sam has you know tries to stop her, gives her medicine, which basically is. But that was chloroform. Yeah, like straight up. Oh, like she basically he basically had to had to drug her to sleep. I'm like, yep. In the early 1900s. Um, but we, we find out later that the carving was basically a, a stick figure. But of a it, noose. But it was hanging. Yeah. Oh. That one. I, I didn't get it. But I was like, this is so weird. And it just. I mean, I got it later. It's revealed later why. Yeah. My anxiety just popped. Like, my, there's points in this film where my anxiety just spikes. And my anxiety is in a form of, like, me shaking my legs a lot. Especially when I'm just like restless and I'm like, mm, there's so much going on. Like the couch was shaking y'all. <laughs> like the couch was vibrating by the time the movie was over <laughs> and I just could not deal with it. I could not deal with this at all. I was like, why, 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 why? And but, it just gets worse from there. Cause yes, it does. <laughs> it does. After that. Um, so Arthur stays the night with Sam. Sam takes him that morning to Dude. go to uh, Jerome to, uh, I think, to f- uh, finish off a, a little bit more uh, business. More, yeah, business. Even though he was being totally unhelpful and no one was there, of course. 
yeah, Jerome wasn't there. The wife wasn't there. Um, but he, he hears something or sees something moving downstairs because, you know, old wooden mm-hmm. floors you can see in between. He goes down and he finds a locked door. And he looks in through the little peephole and he finds a little girl there. And he's like, are, are you okay? You know, can I help you? And she wait says, a minute. go away. What? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think we missed something. There was a plot. I feel like there's a plot point that we missed. So remember, um, no, remember the kids that were, you were looking at earlier, the ones that, you know, the, the father was like, come and come inside of. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay, he goes up the, to the little girl that dies. Yeah, he goes she up drank to the lime. Lie, lie, lie. Drank so, a lot of lime. <laughs> that's a lot of lime. Don't drink lime, kids. But um, that part, I think we you skipped to that part because that part was I think was crucial to that part because I think, yeah, I think that's the in between we didn't remember mm-hmm. when he went to Sam. But he basically he went to I think the constable constable to let to, him know that he saw the uh, saw woman the there. Yes, yes, yes. And the constable wasn't having none of it. And all of a sudden, these kids that come in, the same kids from earlier, come in, and her sister was basically dying in front of us because she drank a lie while the mother was out. And he was trying to get the constable out, but like here she was, she coughed up blood spat out blood from her mouth bam dead in into mr kipps off daniel radcliffe's arms and when i tell you my heart broken too yep that's child murder number four in this movie that was four yeah and i think after that because he went down back down to the house i think after that no 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 he went to he went to sam's after that oh you went to sam's after that he he, he went to the house a total of three times in this film Okay, this and after that was totally. Yeah, too. the first time we, was just like an afternoon. We literally uh, just in between saw this the movie. tides. Um okay, so going back to after the Sam dinner, he went to Jerome's and he met his daughter. Um, who basically was just like, you need to go away. You're going to kill me, you need to go away. Cause he killed basically, yeah, you killed so and so. Like I think Victoria something. So basically like Whatever whatever her name was. So basically they saying that he's blaming her the whole village yeah he's getting blamed for her death and basically yeah you say the whole village basically is in on it because it's revealed later that whenever you see the woman in black a child will die they take us they took them so they take us yeah all that kind of stuff (laughs) so basically the town is basically against them and sam's basically like the only person only person that has any kind of faith in this man well, he's, everyone he's else, skeptical he doesn't he doesn't believe the nonsense well skeptical but like he has faith in him he like he wants to help well, he's no, the he, only one who actually actually wants to help he wants to help and he 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 says it like he's plain as day he says the reason I'm helping you is because if we can sell this house maybe these people maybe uh, the villagers will put all this nonsense behind them mm. So he he just wants this whole he thinks it's all a hoax. He thinks it's all fake bullshit that you know these kids are dying for. He thinks it's all fake news. He thinks it's fake news. Yeah. Um <laughs> he thinks it's fake news that all of these kids are dying. Yeah, and, and he he believes it so much that he's willing to run people over just to get Arthur to that house to, so he can finish his paperwork and sell that motherfucker. You know what? I I do get it though because it's like after so much is going on, even experiencing this exact thing yourself, I, I will want to like shut it out too, because it's like, oh yeah, you you want to rationally believe that is not supernatural forces causing your kids to basically fucking die and off themselves. You just wanted to think it be an accident, because if an if it's an accident, you don't you shouldn't you don't have to explain it. It was a freak accident. Well, yeah, also in the way he explained it is he would rather believe that his son is up there waiting on him and his wife than down here cursed because of that superstition. Mm. Um, I do not blame him at all. Which actually actually ties into the end of this this movie very well, which I really liked. Um, So, yeah, he... He try he basically almost runs over villagers that are stopping him from going to the house. 
um, gets Arthur there and says, I'll be back, you know, before the tide comes. And Arthur says, no, I'd rather work through the night. Big mistake. Dun, dun, dun. Jesus Christ, as things ramp up from there. So, yeah, no. When I said I am a ball of anxiety, all every suspenseful piece of editing work in this book, in this book, in this movie is done. Like, every trope you can think of when it comes to trying to amp up tension, it is done in this movie, and it it works extremely well very well too well if you want to be real way too well mm. Mm. so yeah i don't even want to like go into detail because it's just one set piece after set piece after set piece of what happens but basically the the woman in, there is one thing that does happen he finds information and ooh, some tea uh, there's a lot of tea about like what happened with this whole family, y'all. So, so there's this woman by the name of Jan, and her uh, Jeanette. sister Jeanette. That's it. I'm sorry. The uh, woman by the name of Jeanette who had a child, and her sister Alice, for some reason, I, I don't remember the exact reason why, but she took her child away from Jeanette. I think the she was, I was trying to say that she was crazy. Like, that she was yeah, mentally unfit to yeah. be a mother. Okay, yeah, I think that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, while um, while the child was in her was in Alice's care, a carriage got stuck in the marsh and sank. Alice and her husband survived. The kid did not. And Jeanette, being the birth mother of said kid, basically blames. It looks like, uh, yeah. That was basically she, she got put he got put in by his aunt and his aunt basically kept him away from her and, the whole time. And she blamed uh she blamed Alice for the child's death, said you, you could have saved him. You didn't all you wanted to do was save yourself. Rot in hell. <laughs> Rot in hell, as they say. Basically, yeah, no, she there was a lot of emotional baggage and she was out for revenge. Yeah, and shortly after that, she um, didn't commit suicide. She self-murdered, according to the death report. And the self-murder was <laughs> her hanging herself. Which tied into um, old girl, what was her name? Sam's wife, the drawing. Oh, yeah, it tied into the drawing that Sam's wife done. I, uh, think I want to say ever... it started with an E, but I can't remember. Yeah, I never really caught it. I but didn't really anyway. catch it. But yeah, no, it tied into the drawing. The drawing was the was the hanging. So that was that gave me was like weird because I was like, okay, that's starting to mean something. And this woman is not as crazy as she thinks she is, as people think she is. Yeah, and that's, form aside. Other than you know, scare after scare after scare. That's really the only information we get uh, from there on until until sam shows back up the next morning which that was the shortest and longest night ever yeah no like that woman in black was basically it felt like she was halfway like trying to scare him trying to get him halfway trying to like show him Mm -hmm. certain bits and pieces of information as he's uncovering the mystery i feel like she was there in a way to just try to both like you know get like get at him and to basically uncover the mystery of what happened to her and why she she is as well and i think i like that because i think it's great storytelling a bit a bit um on the nose a little bit but i just think it's still really good storytelling to try to do like that there's a recent movie that did something similar oh the um ghostbusters movie they basically did a similar trait of using like you know ghosts and stuff to tell like to push the narrative forward and in that way using like thing the set using the set pieces to basically uh replace dialogue and stuff like that That i think that's really cool but i may be reading a little bit too much into it but that's what i got from it so yeah 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 so sam picks up arthur and they head back to the village where they find out that jerome's house is on fire ooh child ooh now that 
explains way more of what happened, right? So basically, uh, Mr. Kipps, author, basically tries to go inside and tries to basically save the kid because Lucy was in there. Yeah, she's she's trapped down in the basement. Um, everyone else is outside trying to put out the fire. He's the only one who runs in. Because I think besides Jerome, he's the only one that knows that there's a kid in the basement. Yeah. So uh, basically, yeah, actually, you're right because they said that they locked her away after losing the eldest. Mm-hmm. Um. So he goes there. He breaks down the door to the basement and he sees the little girl just standing in the corner, holding a kerosene lamp. And then you look to your right, the woman in black. And then the little girl drops that kerosene lamp at her feet. And <laughs> the woman. <laughs> Murder, child murder number five, and bad CGI. Very bad. That like, was like very the only dated CGI. That was like the only time where it was like you said it was dated. So yeah, I, I, I get that. I well, I still say the the mud coming through from the bed was very dated. Oh, I see. I thought that was really cool though. I mean, it's cool looking, but it's very dated. I mean, yeah. I thought it looked bad at least. I don't know. I, There's I, a couple I, of moments where like the face on the woman in black kind of looked. Fake. I thought I thought it was cool. I mean, it was creepy. It was like uncanny valley kind of feeling, but it's still I don't know. I just think they're neat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that was crazy. And then like I think right after, right after that, they're back at Sam's house, mm-hmm. going up to the mausoleum. I think. Oh well, Dan, um, not not Dan, Arthur. Arthur, after washing up and having another drink by Sam, that is one thing Sam loves is a good, bought a good drink of scotch after something traumatic. Either scotch or whiskey. There's a brown, lot of brown liquor being <laughs> drank in this film because this was about the third time, this third and or fourth time this uh, liquor was drank by the time, uh, by the time we get to the scene. So Daniel walked, my man, Daniel. Arthur walks up to the mausoleum where the the wife is there, mm-hmm. and she instantly knows that he saw the woman in black. Don't know how, but she does. Because I feel like it's a feeling. It's like it's almost like a curse. Well, you learn, you see later. Um, so she he she says that he asks, you know, what happens, and then she basically, with her voice being overlapped by her son's voice is telling uh arthur exactly what happens like the whole story you know you see the woman in black she kills a child um you know she is so mad that hers got taken away that she will forever take the children away of those who do her wrong miss girl is out for revenge and out for blood she draws two stick figures one big one, one little one. And I I didn't realize this until just now. That was the car. And also on top of that, it was the exact same drawing. No, no, no. But no, you see so you see the stick figure and you see the little stick figure. Mm-hmm. Above that is a line on the bottom, mm-hmm. two lines across and a circle in the middle. What does that look like? Wait, I thought that was the car. A train. That was a train? Think about it. Stick figure. I thought that was a car. Little stick figure. Wait a minute. Three lines and a circle in the middle. Wait a fucking minute. Wait, wait. Pause, pause. Because they didn't get hit by a car. No, no. It's the exact same drawing. They're from, um, from the kid. From, um, um, what's that kid's name? From Arthur's kid. That was an exact same uh, drawing. It looked and the exact he had a, same. He had a train on that drawing too. Exactly, because he had the small, uh, smiley face and a frowny face. Ooh. Frowny face on Arthur. I was like, that. That's what I thought. I was like, that's the exact same drawing as what. See, you know. I just well, I just saw it as you know, you got the two stick figures right there with the train coming at them. For, foreshadowing that, the ending. I did not think that. It I was just a, thought of that. I didn't think it was the uh, foreshadowing. Honestly, you're right. But I didn't think about that. I just thought it was the same drawing. I thought it was like, I thought like the son, what's that damn son's name? Nicholas? No. Thomas? What was it? Th- no. It was, was it Thomas? Arthur's kid? Yeah. Thomas. Thomas. So basically, I thought 
it kind of insinuated that Thomas knew what that knew something was going on, or like it it feels like Thomas knew what was going on, or like honestly, okay, yeah, equals foreshadowing the ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it in my head as I'm speaking. Yeah, foreshadowing the ending. You're right. You're right. That's good. I thought it was a callback. Oh, both a callback and a foreshadowing at the same time. That was they did that. They they did that. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, Daniel is now <laughs> Daniel. God, he's Daniel. Daniel, <laughs> Mr. Daniel Arthur is... Uh, Daniel Arthur Radcliffe. <laughs> Forgive us, we're sleep deprived. He is concerned for his son, obviously. So he gets this wild idea, and this is the only thing I don't like, is it kind of feels like it comes out of nowhere, where he knows that if he reunites the son with the mom, that everything will be okay. It well, kind of comes out of nowhere. But... It, do- it does kind of come out of nowhere, so I feel like there's a plot hole there, but I also think I don't that... think it's a plot hole, I just think it's like they wrote themselves in a corner and had to figure out how to end it. Because script, right? Right. I don't know, I think... I'm, I guess I'm because I'm like defending this from some for some reason. I feel like there is a part where like those like the pieces are being put in his head because I don't think he really knows about spirits that much. Well, or either that or he gotten so consumed by like all of the spiritual crap that like all the spirits and all of that that it kind of came up in his head while you know um, he was talking to Sam about it because Sam was trying to basically rationalize everything while you know arthur was saying like oh i saw him i saw the woman in black i saw all of these kids oh i the will kids. i will respect that about sam he's still skeptical but he's like all right i'll help you but, i don't believe a damn thing you're saying but i'll help you but okay but let's go back to this before sam picked them up remember there was a point where you see all of those kids in the forest right you see yeah. all of the kids in the forest and all, all of that stuff I think that's the part where he kind of figured out that there's something going on, and then that mm, may be it. Because nah, you got to read way too much into that. I for am it. going to read as much <laughs> into it as I possibly can because obviously, like, there's a lot going on when it comes like you know, parents loving their kids, and that's where I'm getting at. But it well, wasn't. It was vainly, vainly, vainly tailed. What, what, very thinly veiled yeah that word what, whatever it was it ended up working because they they go to the marsh uh, in Sam's automobile and he fucking god it's disgusting that was the grossest part of the movie go to the marsh oh they tried to find the kid because they said the kid was never um, never the found. body was never, never found so he dives in with a rope tied around him he ends up tying the rope to the carriage and Sam pulls the carriage out as much as he can, enough for Arthur to get the kid out. Because I want to say it gets easy already revealed or it's insinuated that they basically left the kid for dead in the um, carriage. Yeah, didn't give him a proper burial. Yeah. They They left the kid for dead in the carriage instead of just like, you know, actively trying to help him. Which is why why the body was never found because it sank too yeah. far below for people, you know, to get the body out to get the kid. So that makes way more sense now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> so they bring the the body of the child uh, back to the house, laid on the bed, and he basically entices the woman in black to, you know, to to the child, where she does she comes to the kid. And everything seems hunky dory. Everything seems fine. You and one thing I realized though, if you notice, that's another re- reason was like the kid. I feel like there's like a lot of sacrificial offerings that was made, and I think the sacrificial offering this time was like all of the memories that were robbed because of the fact that Jeanette's kid was basically taken away from her, and. It's kind of evident in the birthday cards. All of the birthday cards that were found all across the place, from for um Nick Nicholas Nicholas or for that kid's birthday. Now Nicholas was uh Sam's kid. The other, okay, that other kid, and it just it kind of breaks my heart because it's like this person never knew. It feels like he never knew her mother. I mean, his mother. I feel that's what it insinuates. I think. 
old girl tried to pl- cosplay as his mother ho- the whole time. Basically asking, asking her, uh, Jeanette, out of her life. And that really sucks. Yeah. That really just fucking sucks how um how shitty that, that's really shitty yeah and i hate that <laughs> i but, just honestly hate that a lot like this this movie is kind of hitting way harder to me than i thought now that i'm thinking about it because i guess it's because you know parents childhood and like you know you wanting your kids wanting kids wanting your parents to love you and all of that and seeing how little someone gives a shit of of their kids as parents that gets me it really does it it, it, it kind of gets me because you want you you know as parents you're supposed to live with kids unconditionally and why are these parents like just not they're saving themselves they're very they're being very selfish but this i mean this isn't even a parent though this is like a pretend parent imagine being the actual parent and seeing this like never being able to know your child because someone's keeping them away from you and that being your own like your own family your own family um that's the part that kills me so much about that that yeah that's the part that really kills me about it because of that alone and God. <laughs> oh, we just broke Jay. God. But hey, it's okay because the woman in black, Jeanette, uh, she is reunited with her kid. And Arthur and Sam give him a proper burial, and everything <sighs> seems like it's fine. Everything seems hunky dory. The amount of alcohol that I would need to get those eight memories erased from my head will be insurmountable. I'm my sure Sam's got you covered. Oh, Sam's got me covered. <laughs> Damn. He's my favorite character for the exact reason. The amount of alcohol that he has drank. And to, he's always got two glasses. At he least he two. is a sharer. At least two glasses. Like, he knows how to share alcohol. Like, that whiskey will never, that glass will never go dry. Well, never. Ever. It, it is Friday night, and everything seems good. So Sam and Arthur head to the train station where they meet up with Thomas and the nanny. Mm-hmm. And he basically says to the nanny, like, hey, I know y'all just showed up here, but go get two tickets to We're going London. back to London. We're going back. F this. F all of this, right? Yeah. I will explain later. Screw this. So <laughs> her face, though. Oh, yeah. No, she looked pissed. She was like, are you fucking serious? Whatever. Like, you just made me get on a long train ride just to get back on another long train ride. Fuck you. Then, like, LOL, <laughs> it's your money. Or, like, so, thereof, because you're broke. So, Arthur has a little conversation with Sam, basically thanking him for everything. And his son, Thomas, is standing there. And he looks over, and he sees woman in black as a train is approaching his hand lets go and he starts walking towards the center of the aisle of the train and by the time Arthur notices he's already on the tracks walking that way and Arthur jumps down there he grabs his son and the train passes Sam, you see, yeah. Sam sees all of the kids that are screaming. They're screaming, and you see the woman in black. And she screams. And then Sam looks down. Everyone's crying. The nanny cries. Well, not not at first. I mean, it, she kind of like has a moment of horror. Mm-hmm. But Sam looks down. The nanny looks down. And then it shows. Arthur and Thomas there holding each other just on the side of the track. Not where the train would be, but just on the side. So insinuating that they made it. Yeah, I thought they made it. Only they didn't. They turn and Thomas says, Who is that little lady? And Arthur says, That's your mother. As this glowing, beautiful woman stands there grabs Arthur's hand. The kid and Arthur smile very happily 
and they walk off into the mist. And this is where I wanted to like throw everything, throw this whole like everything that I had on my person down on the ground because I was like, what the absolute mother of hell just transpired here? What just happened here? The main reason I love this so much is not only for like the expectation subversion okay you think they're dead oh wait no they survived oh no they are dead i like that but i loved going back to sam's line i would much rather believe he is up there waiting for me than down here cursed and arthur and the his son both being victims of the woman in black still got their chance to meet the mom and reunite tenderly. So Sam and his wife should be able to go and reunite with their kid. And that that gets my little butterflies in my tummy all fluttery. I love that so much. It's very sentimental, but it's also like, I don't know, it's a better ending than The Mist, but it gave me Mist vibes so much that I'm like, I want to like punch a wall because how <laughs> dare you subvert all my expectations and only for them to realize, oh, they're actually dead. And I I just really feel for Sam because not only did he have to witness, I wouldn't think he witnessed, he had to bear the burden of the death of his kid and the deterioration of the mental health of his wife as a result. But on top of that, now he made a new friend. And now he has a bear witness to this death as well. Right in front of his face. And Sam's not having a good time. No, the nanny isn't either because she just she's she's out of a job now. And we close the movie with the woman in black standing there, and she stands there and looks off as Arthur walks with his wife. And then she just turns to the camera and stares at us, the audience. End of movie roll credits and I will agree with you The Mist has a bleak and depressing ending but I feel like it is kind of it feels forced with like with the emotions it feels a little forced for me this feels so natural in a depressing kind of way it's very depressing but it leaves on a such a weirdly hopeful ending is so depressing as shit but in this depression is like there's like a light at the end of the tunnel almost literally like yeah I mean it's kind of like a metaphor for depression itself like don't go towards the light but um well no but you know what I mean like even though things seem bad or like as bad as it can get there's always there's always a way for it to be a light at the end of the time. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what gets me conflicted about this film because I like the fact that it ends on one, a really messed up note, but it, it kind of makes you um, feel for Arthur because in the end he, he kind of got what he wanted. Yeah. He kind of, he, he, he got has, exactly what he wanted. He got his wife back. He has his family. And together. going going through all this trauma with the woman in black made him even though he wasn't there at all, he, I feel like it made him get closer to his son. And now that he's close to his son, they can now all live together in ghostly heavenly harmony. Just not really of the earth, which I don't blame him. The earth is sucky, but it's just like why did it have to come to this why didn't you know he just had to live on in the legacy like you know living in the legacy of like oh yeah there's your mother like you know but that it, it just kills me that that part just really kills me and i both love it and hate it yeah. and the fact that literally all of the deaths were kids kind of is messed up yeah, I feel Never like gonna die. I feel like that's one of the reasons why it didn't get promoted. Like, I th- the reason it probably didn't get promoted was because of kid murder. And is yeah, because I don't think us here in the states really care for kid murder. 
No, no. Especially in 2012. I feel like this is more. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> this is more of like, this is, was an American film. This is more of a British film. Like I, I know this is British AF, down to it being a Hammer movie, but it's just the fact that there were just so many topics that were like tackled in this film. On top of the fact that like like child murders here, it's just it's wild. And it's, I mean, yeah, like you said, it, it's got a lot going on for, it's not just a simple little, you know, haunted house Mm-mm. horror movie, which it definitely is. I mean, all the horror besides, you know, the kid murder comes from the house. All, all the scares, all the tension, it comes from the house, but it's got a lot more going on. It is way, it's way more nuanced than I ever thought it was going to be. Let's be like that. It's way more nuanced. And I think that the fact that it, there's so much you can take from this gives it a little bit of replay value, but it also on top of that, it makes you it, it makes you think. Hell, like I want to feel close to the kids I don't even have. Like <laughs> right? I want to just like hug on my imaginary like offspring. Like I really makes me want to be a better dad in the future. Yeah, it, <laughs> honestly, kind of makes you want to like look at your parents and be like damn i got how you really feel like it kind of makes you think about stuff like that because it's like if you're going through all this as children how hell it could be even be worse as adults so it's like we have to basically kind of like look at your adult children like adult parents and being as adults and be like hey i still love you like you know i know for if anything else you're still children i wish that you could love me more but you know what can you say it's like but not everyone has that not everyone has that kind of like ability to have that kind of closure or to basically like have a relationship to fix and i think only thing that was able to get fixed for arthur was in death which kind of sucks but sometimes i think it's the only solution and i hate to sound like that but it feels like that was the only solution for arthur yeah i mean i'm lucky enough to have a good relationship with my folks i mean it was rocky at the start but it i have a really good relationship with my mom and dad and even though we have our differences i mean we we have our differences you know, I, I cannot say that I ever once thought they didn't care. And I, I'm lucky for that because after watching this movie, man, I I don't know how I'd feel if I was, you know, in Thomas's position. Especially as a kid, just realizing. You, you don't know and- why. It, it makes me think of the Babadook in a way with, like, that kid just being a kid and his mom borderline hating him and you just sitting there not understanding why your mom the person who's supposed to love you feels this way towards you and the person that you know you came out of the person that's supposed to protect you yeah and i mean i guess now we are able to have more chosen family but it's like something about having blood family that you can rely on that actually loves you hits home a little more mm-hmm. and you i didn't think that i'll be thinking about all of this you know watching a freaking horror film but like it just goes to show how much you can pack into this genre because not only this is a movie about a haunted house is a movie about like a strained family relationships a broken family that only comes together in the worst way possible and after someone tries to fix their family problems like it unpacks a lot that i feel like people i guess need to get into or whatever but just it just unpacks a lot of things that people think about when it comes to family that how dare you (laughs) (laughs) i really need to read this movie now like I, i need to read this book to see how it gets translated into a film because I'm heavily interested now as a result. Like, 
when it comes to most you know book to movie adaptations they're either straight from the book or like very very bad I feel like this would be a very this was a very good film so I feel like the original novel would be just even better yeah we have it if you ever want to read it I would totally love to read it we got it but I feel like I might end up reading it like on digital because I don't know (laughs) why but I would love to read it like I would love to read this um I mean I feel like we kind of went I mean if you want to rehash on your final thoughts um um because I feel like I've I've kind of went over all mine. I mean, I, I don't know if even I even have any final thoughts other than the fact that like all of that I just talked about before, just yeah. it really hits home, and you it makes you think. And I didn't even feel this way at the beginning of recording, but now it's like oh, it's the more it's the more, more you think about it. Because when you first watch it, it's it's your simple haunted house horror movie with yeah. a scary ghost, but and Harry Potter and Harry but, Potter. <laughs> but the themes there, it's really this movie is made for discussions like this because you you get a lot more thinking about the story than you ever do just watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I see why. I honestly, as a kid, I liked it just because it was a good horror movie. But after sitting here and discussing this movie with you, I I genuinely, I I really kind of love this movie. Um, this is a special place in in this in your heart for this film. Yeah, yeah. Um, this so- is a very clever film. I feel like, and I feel like there should have been more. There should have been more love, more press about it because I think there's there's this, a sequel to it. I I don't know how well the sequel is or how good it is, but there is a sequel to this movie. I don't think this movie needs a sequel. I I'll I'll check it out. I've never watched it. Um I'll check it out just to see, but yeah, no, this movie really did not need a sequel. Um so what what would you rate it? I I think I will rate it a four because the more that I think about this film, the more that I get out of it, and I think it's because I'm a total sap when it comes to like family in movies or like talks of family movies that it it really gets me. So ultimately, I think I'll give it a four for that alone, and the acting ability in this film just made it even better. Oh yeah, I just really really just I love it. Yeah, everyone in this movie is good. Um, I'd probably give it a three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah, I'm not exactly on the four boat boat with you, but a, a solid three and a half. I'd 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 say. I mean, it's good. I really like it. Um, I, I'm just not feeling four right now. I can respect that, I guess. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's been Woman in Black. Yeah. Um. I would love to have a conversation about this in the comments on YouTube or. Hell, even on our social medias and all of that. We're on Facebook, Instagram, on Twitter, Letterbox, any honestly you name it. And let's have a conversation about this. I yeah. think we can have a lot of conversations about this film. Yeah, just uh let us know what you think for sure. And uh next week we're doing Skeleton Key. Oh is yeah. that the one about the bayou? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh basically Haunted Mansion in the Bayou. Um Oh, by use of Louisiana, of course. Oh, close to home. Yeah, um, so, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen this movie in years either. So joy, I've, joy. <laughs> I've never seen this one either. <laughs> so uh, yeah, until then, I've been Heath, and it's been Jay, and you've been listening to Host of Horrors. <laughs>